Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. And welcome to episode 132 of the Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. So this episode is for those of you who have been told at some point in your life that you are obese. Yes, that word. I hardly ever say it anymore, and I usually use kind of little bunny ears or quotation marks or say the O word, but I had to say it because it's a word that the letter that I'm going to be reading for you in a minute, it's a, a word that this person was told that they were when they were young, 
And there's a lot of problems with that. And I go into why. And in particular, this letter writer just got a um, news that she, quote unquote, failed her glucose tolerance test. She's expecting a baby. And those of you who have experienced pregnancy remember drinking that really sweet drink and having to sit there and get your blood taken. Well, if you don't um, get a low enough number on that test, well, you have to sit for the next one, which is four hours long. And she's awaiting the results from that one. And there's a lot of fear with that because all of her life, she was told to eat less, move more because her body wasn't right. It wasn't acceptable. And as this person has moved away from that and is trying to opt out of diet culture, well, now there's this fear of like, oh no, I have this baby now that I'm trying to like bring into this world and I want to keep safe, but that didn't work before. And it was actually quite destructive. So what do I do? So I'm going to make an attempt at helping to clarify some next steps. But before we get to this episode's letter, a word for all the dietitians who are listening, especially those of you who are listening in real time. Right now, I am at the Fancy Conference. And if you're not a dietitian or maybe a new one, you may be wondering, what the heck is Fancy? Well, Fancy is an acronym that stands for the Food and Nutrition Conference and Expo. It's basically the Super Bowl for dietitians. We get together every October, at least 10,000 of us. I think it may even be 12,000 at this point. And we get together and it's honestly pretty diety. Um, it's a place where I truly feel like a salmon swimming against stream trying to help people to see why opting out of diet culture is so important. So if you're curious about opting out of diet culture, or if you have already opted out, come meet up with me. I'm going to be at the member marketplace all day on Monday. I believe the booth number is 3008. So come find me. I would love to give you a special gift and I would love to connect with you. It's really wonderful, especially those of us who are non-diet dietitians to get together and just connect, especially when we're swimming up against the stream of diet culture at a conference like this. So I look forward to connecting with you there. And if you enjoy this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you could leave a rating, a review, subscribe, or share the episode. Doing any of those small acts of kindness really helps the show grow. So I appreciate in advance any of those things. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food, I write you this letter as I await my results of my second level glucose tolerance test. We have had such a strained relationship over the years. As a child, you were given to me under strict rules as doctors chastised my parents for allowing me to be obese. As a teenager, I developed anorexia to become a more acceptable size. At 18, I was diagnosed with PCOS and medication finally helped ease my tiredness irregularity, and I finally understood what full felt like. Over the next several years, I was constantly on and off diets, losing and gaining weight, though I always stayed obese, even when I exercised excessively and followed my strict diet rules. Luckily, I had a great PCP who understood the need to look at other indicators when giving me health advice. 
but my health insurance company was constantly sending me messages about the need to lose weight. Finally, I decided I wanted to talk to a therapist. I enjoyed eating nutritious foods, but couldn't seem to stop blowing it with binges. I started seeing a therapist that specialized in eating disorders. She focused on the importance of self-care and helped me realize how much stress all of the dieting and over-exercise were causing me. She also pointed out that when these things feel out of control, how much harder I push to fix it when I should step back and allow life to happen. She provided me with information that helped me learn about intuitive eating. And for the first time, I began to feel some peace with my body and with you. This is still very much a work in progress. When I received the results of my first glucose tolerance test and saw my numbers were high, I was devastated. I couldn't help but feel responsible because of how I had been consuming you. And I feared my healthcare provider would blame me as well. If my results come back high with the second test, I know I will be sent to a nutritionist for a short-term prescriptive diet. How do I do what is best for myself and my baby and continue to work on a good relationship with you? Sincerely, Concerned PCOS Mom-to-Be. Hey there, Concerned PCOS mom-to-be. Thanks so much for your note. I really appreciate it. And I have a feeling there are other people with or without PCOS who can exp- who can really relate to your experience because I think we've gotten a lot of mixed messages along the way, how much we are responsible for our health and in control of it. So I hope as I go through some points here, I hope you find them helpful and I hope it helps you to have some different direction and something to kind of follow along as you're on your food peace journey. So, you know, your experience, I feel like is very common. And the common theme that I heard from your note, letter writer, is that you were given this label, this label of obese, and there was a really big problem with that. And I want to share why I feel like that's such a big problem. And I think at the root of what's so stressful and keeping you from easily seeing your path towards food peace. And just a kind of a backstory on even the label of obese. Back in 2013, the American Medical Association decided to label obesity as a disease even though their own study, they had this like special, um, let's see, I think it was called a Council on Science and Public Health that took a really deep dive into whether they should even consider obesity to be termed a disease. And that special study said, no, it should not. And mainly because the measure usually used to define obesity, BMI, is simplistic and flawed. That's a quote actually from the report. Yet AMA, or the American Medical Association, decided that, nah, we're not going to use our own study to um, decide whether or not it should be. And they decided to call it a disease. And, you know, call me jaded, but I think it has a lot to do with funding and money. Um, A lot of uh, pharmaceutical companies were involved in lobbying for this. And um, 
and it's really the the problem with it is basically the the council that was studying this part of um, calling obesity a disease. One of the reasons why they said that they didn't want to call it a disease is they didn't think it actually would change anything. Rather, it would just um, give people a label that was really not even accurate. And oh, I wish they totally would listen to that. But what has happened, even before 2013, of course, the, the obesity label was problematic. But now that it's considered a disease, there is even more of a push on we individually have control over our body size and that we should change it and that we should eradicate the world of people at higher weights. And I think that is something that is making um, things like size discrimination, weight bias, um, more unhealthy. It's making it harder to, to walk this earth in a larger body. So for you, letter writer, there's a lot of problem just from the get-go with the types of things that you are learning about your body. And when your doctors were scolding your parents, which I was just picturing that in my head, I wonder if you listener were picturing that too, you may have been in a similar situation. Um, but as I was picturing your parents getting scolded and the shame they may have felt, and then also the fear and, and also wanting to protect you, how they basically were instructed to torture your body. And I often think about how people at higher weights are expected to torture their body with food and exercise in a way that we would call pathological or label as a disease in people at lower weights. You know, people who are at lower weights, we who are like limiting food intake and exercising more, we would call that anorexia nervosa. And it's not surprising that for you, letter writer, and anyone listening who can identify with this experience, went on to experience anorexia nervosa. Clinically, it may have been called atypical anorexia nervosa, which that label in itself is such bullshit because um, it's not the atypical way to experience anorexia nervosa. In the diagnostic criteria for anorexia nervosa, if someone's at a higher weight, then it's given this atypical, I don't know why that's a hard word for me to say right now, but atypical because of just that it's not how we would typically think about it in our brain, but that is the most common way to experience anorexia is to be at a higher weight. And unfortunately, because it has this weird word to it, this atypical word, it's not as well reimbursed with insurance companies, but alas, it is just bullshit. I wanted to label it that. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, you had to suffer with this deadly condition. Anorexia is the uh, mental illness with the highest mortality rate. So when anyone says, oh, well, it's not a big deal to push diets on higher weight people, it is a very big deal because of that fact. And you know, something that I think is important to talk about um, is that sometimes people with PCOS have a weight change. And if you're new to the podcast, you may be wondering, what is this PCOS thing? And that stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it's a condition that people who are identified as females at birth, one in five will experience this. It's a hormonal dysregulation. It's an endocrine disorder and it affects, has an endocrine, and, not endocrine rather, it has metabolic and reproductive consequences to it. And so this person is experiencing this condition and a really kind of common experience, not for everyone, but a common experience is for 
a sudden weight change, maybe around puberty, maybe around the time that some of us go to college, you know, between 18 and 25, there can be a weight change and a pretty um, rapid kind of weight gain that is really, really common. And I think it would be really great to notice this without judgment. And I think I'm talking right now to healthcare providers because they're the ones that maybe could be helpful in this situation. And for you, letter writer, could have been really helpful because what you're experiencing right now while you're pregnant and have a higher blood sugar level, I think it would be a different experience. But the reason why I think it would be important for us to be able to notice weight change without judgment is because it our weight is kind of just like another anthropometric measure, like our blood pressure, our temperature, um, maybe a lab value, that it doesn't necessarily mean causation or that that's the problem. It's that something's going on. We need to dig deeper. And for people with PCOS, that's just one of the things that could be going on. And if a person just was like, huh, let me see what could be making this happen instead of, oh, your weight has gone up. It's time to cut back. It's time to eat less. It's time to exercise more. And this is really important with conditions like PCOS or diabetes because by just cutting out things and focusing on weight doesn't actually help the issue at hand. And lastly, with all this, the problem that I have with the obese label that you got as a youngster is that you were blamed for your conditions. And you're, it's not your fault that you experienced PCOS. It's not your fault that your weight changed. It's not your fault that you possibly have gestational diabetes. So that oral glucose tolerance test, or the GTT that you mentioned in your letter, that's what the GTT stands for. If you, listener, have never been pregnant, um, it's just a common test that we all get when I forget how far along it is, maybe around 30 weeks or a little bit earlier. And you drink this really sweet beverage and then they test your blood sugar and within an hour, I believe. Again, it's been a while. But, um, and if it's at a certain, if the blood sugar is at a certain level, then a person has to go through another glucose tolerance test where they drink the drink and they have to do it um, over a four hour period. They test the blood sugar. And a lot of times people at higher weights who experience it, their weight is blamed as the cause. And for you, listener, I hope you can appreciate that I am a person who's always lived at a lower weight and I had a high glucose tolerance test for the first test. And so I had to take the second one. It's something that can happen no matter what your weight is. Of course, my weight was not blamed as the cause. It was just like, oh, Maybe this is just a genetic thing for you. And what a shame that I was given that gift of, hey, it's not your fault. Let's just see what's going on. And this is what all of us earth travelers <laughs> deserve as we are taking care of our health and a child that's growing inside us. You know, we deserve to have that kind of, um, I don't know, just compassion and um, humanness. Pregnancy in itself is a condition that causes insulin resistance. It's part of how we're able to continue to feed this growing person um, that our body will allow us to have um, extra carbohydrates in the form of ketones to be able to, to help this baby survive no matter what, basically, as long as we're alive. And so we have just 
more circulating insulin to help this process. And for some of us, it just teeters over the edge of what is deemed okay, I guess, and we may need to um, help treat it. And one of the best things about science, and especially dietitians who specialize in things like PCOS and diabetes and gestational diabetes, is we've come a long way. And as dietitians, we're on the front lines of seeing how shame and fear don't help. And a lot of us have moved away from that. Even if we aren't calling ourselves like I do, like a non-diet dietitian, especially those who specialize in diabetes education, we see that shaming and using fear just is not something that helps people promote health. It's not a long-term motivator for most people. And so for you, letter writer, or anyone listening who may experience gestational diabetes, I am hoping, crossing my fingers, that you are matched up with a dietitian or diabetes educator that's going to be more down to earth and less shame-based because there are so many things that we can do during pregnancy and early stages of diabetes that are really not going to be diety and just taking care of yourself and considering like, let's make sure you have time for nourishing meals. It's doing things that are not going to feel as diety if a person is a diabetes educator that's staying up to date on the research. All right. So something I want you to keep in mind is that if you get diagnosed with gestational diabetes, or if anyone listening, if you get diagnosed with diabetes or PCOS or any condition, you still can do intuitive eating work. You can still move along your food peace journey. You can still move away from diets. If you're new to the Love Food Podcast and never have heard of the term intuitive eating, jump online and look at intuitiveeating.org and check out the 10 principles. It's a book written by two dietitians and they first wrote it in the mid-90s. It's been updated many times, but it spells out a science-based reason and sort of solution to say goodbye to diets forever and still promote health at the same time. And that is something that I want anyone to know. You have access to that. And here's why. When a person is relying on their body to help them along with their brain, um, not just diet rules, because I think when we rely on just diet rules, that's relying just on our brain to tell us how to eat and take care of our body. But when we use our brain along with our body's cues, like hunger, fullness, are we tired? Are we grumpy? Considering how our body is experiencing our self-care methods, our body's going to let us know. And so for you, letter writer, if you end up having gestational diabetes and you go to this dietitian and they give you a bunch of recommendations, experiment with them and notice how your body feels before, during, after. And for some people, the the diet culture has so seeped in their brain that some of the recommendations may lead to really hardcore restricting and behaviors that are terrifying. And it's really important to acknowledge that and to know that you know what's best for your body and to go back to that dietitian and tell them that is not something that's going to be health promoting for me. And I need another idea. I need some other solutions because there are many, many different ways and there may be a better provider for you out there. And as I say that, I know that that's not going to be accessible to 
anyone or everyone rather. So I have a couple things I want to offer as other ways to get information about diabetes and other health conditions associated with that. First, check out Migret Fletcher. She's a dietitian and diabetes educator who specializes helping people with diabetes using a non-diet approach. I was lucky enough to speak with her on this podcast on episode 113, and she also has a few books. I would encourage you to explore that. She does a wonderful job of sharing the science and research and helping you to explore what's going to help you, and you get to decide. I would also encourage you letter writer and anyone who has PCOS and has a complicated relationship with food to check out my 10 episode podcast that I did recently. It's called PCOS and Food Peace and especially episode or rather chapter two, I call them chapters instead of episodes, but chapter two features an interview with Sophia Carter-Khan. She is someone who is the co-host of the She's All Fat podcast, which is a fabulous podcast to check out if you haven't listened to it. And she explores her, her fear of diabetes as she got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So check those two things out. And I'm gonna go ahead and put those on our Food Peace Syllabus. So if you're new to the Love Food Podcast, the Food Peace Syllabus is a collection of books and podcasts and anything under the sun that helps us to further promote our Food Peace journey. And you can get the latest um, copy of the Food Peace Syllabus at juliedillonrd.com. All right, so food has written back. So let a writer, I got to get going, but stay in touch. Let us know how things are going. And, you know, I really hope you don't have gestational diabetes because I don't want anyone to have to experience that. And if you do, I hope you can take the information they give you and consider what your body has to say about it because it has a lot of wisdom here and it's going to have a lot to say. I think it's important to trust it. If you enjoyed this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you could leave a rating, review, or share the episode. Doing any of these acts of kindness really helps the show grow. All right, well, it's time to hear what food has to say. So until next time, take care. Dear Concerned PCOS Mom-to-Be, As we are awaiting those blood sugar results, we hope you know that you can be trusted around us food. You have been told so many lies about food, lies about your body, and lies about your worth. Your body is valuable and worthy because you're alive. Soon, you'll be a mom. As you nourish and protect this new human, we hope you reconnect with your innate wisdom. As your baby cries to be fed and calms with satiety, we hope you reconnect with the same. As your baby communicates pleasure and joy with food, we hope you have permission for the same. Gather the tools provided to take care, yet decide which to keep, which to hold onto for later, and which to discard. Only you know which is best as you move forward. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more Food Peace? 
jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.